Peter chapter number 5. 1 Peter chapter number 5. That's right before you get to 2 Peter. Amen. And um, let me see. I might even be able to get you a page number here. 1359. All right. 1315. 1315. Sorry. 1 Peter chapter number 5. Is anyone else? You're just... Boy, God's just bu- uh, uh, bu- bubbling his soul over. You just want to praise God and, and give Him glory. Anyone else? Anyone else? I don't want you not to obey the Lord tonight. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. That's right. All right, First Peter chapter 5. You got your place there, stand together. Just two verses tonight. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you 
in due time, casting all your care upon Him. For He cared for you. I want to preach tonight on the answer when it's one thing after another. Have you ever said it's just one thing after another? How many's ever used that statement? I have heard that statement in the last two weeks. No less than 12 to 15 times. And tonight I want to preach on the answer when it's one thing after another. Brother Joey, how about you praying? Yes. Yes. Give him fresh coal, God, tonight to preach thy word. We might understand, God, just how much you love us. Thank you, God, for the one that's here. But thank you for our families, God, Lord, that we have here tonight in this place. Lord, I thank you, God, for giving him liberty. And mumps you tonight, God, to preach. God, to give him Amen. You'll be seated. Notice appeared in the wind of a coach store in Nottingham, England. We've been established for over a hundred years. We've been pleasing and displeasing customers ever since. We've made money, lost money, suffered the effect of coal nationalization, coal rationing. We've been in government control and bad payers. We've been cussed and disgusted, messed about, lied to, held up, robbed and swindled. And the only reason we stay in business is to see what happens next. Amen. Sometimes that's the way we all feel. As we come to First Peter chapter 5. Now, I hope you have your Bible tonight. I want you to leave your Bible open. We'll be using them tonight. We find a man... That's not a novice. He's not a young man. The old man, the apostle Peter, is not the, the, the young, spontaneous young man that steps up and said, Lord, if everybody else denies you, I won't. Only in a few hours to say, oh, I have no idea who he is. He's not the young man that in days gone by, that was so spontaneous with his words and what he had to say. And let me remind you, before you get too critical of the Apostle Peter, he still holds the record for walking on water besides the Lord. Amen. And yet, we find he's the seasoned, older man now. And he's not a novice. And as you begin to read chapter number 1 Peter, you begin very, very quickly to understand that a young man 
would not speak and say what he's saying. Now I understand he's inspired by the Holy Ghost of God. But I still believe God chose to use him in his elder age. As a matter of fact, he said, verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder. What he's telling us is, that I'm not a young man. I, I know what I'm talking about. What I'm trying to say is, as we walk through and see this thread, there's a thread that begins in chapter 1. And it runs through chapter 5. And in that thread, we hear of a man. And his ad- I want you to, what I want you to get tonight is the old prophet's attitude. How he talks. What is he saying? Because he's truly saying something. And so let's look at this thread. As we're in chapter number one. You got your Bible there? Turn if you would to chapter number one. And verse number six. Wherein you greatly rejoice that now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, that word temptation simply means a trial or a test. Has the ideal to test the integrity of something. Here's what Paul said. Now the thread starts in chapter 1. He starts by talking about the trials of your faith. And he, he, he literally makes this statement. He said, these are more profitable. They're more precious than gold. Wow. Here's a man that has faced it, he's lived it, and he's come out the other end of it. And coming out the other end of it, he's looked back and said, man, that trial of my faith was much more valuable to me. I needed that. God was doing something in the midst of that trial that was more precious, more precious than gold. Now, let me just be honest. I don't think while we go through this trial of faith that we always think that's so. Matter of fact, sometimes we go through a trial of faith and our thought is, man, when's this going to end? I mean, it's just one thing after another. We're sick. Job struggles. Trials on the job. Trials at home. Trials with sickness. Trials with the stuff that we have. Uh, everything can be mine. Just one thing after another. And he starts out in chapter number one saying, the trial of your faith is the season 
This season, don't miss this, a season, I, I got good news for you. He'll end. He'll end. Just like the season of summer, I mean, the time will come when the fall winds will start blowing. Hallelujah. And the, and the cold air will come in and start blowing. And the summer season will come to an end. I got good news for you. The trial of your faith has a beginning and it has an end. And God said, it's much more precious than gold. Here's a seasoned prophet. Here's a seasoned old man of God. Here's somebody. A young man wouldn't talk like this. A young man would say, my God, it's one thing after another. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can stand it. But the old man of God is saying this. He said, praise God, whenever it comes through, he said, it is more precious than gold that perisheth. Here's what he's saying. In this trial of faith, and that's where the thread starts, in a trial of faith, God says, when you come through it, He said, I'm going to give you something that you'll never forget. You'll never get over. You'll never leave. He won't go away. God said, I'll give you something during that time. He says, as a matter of fact, when you get to thinking about it, you'll start praising me and glorifying me for what I did during that trial of faith. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? Oh, when it's one thing after another, and while you're walking through it, and God's putting your faith on trial, He's testing it. He's just seeing what you're made of. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm not so sure that, that God is not uh, putting our church through the trial of faith. He may very well be putting us, I preached last Sunday on, on the pruning time. It just might be God's putting us through our church through this trial of the fire. And you know what? He's looking to see who's going to come out the other end uh, holding their hands up and saying, well, glory to God. Hallelujah. He's still a good God. And I'm going to serve Him. And I'm going to worship Him. He may be looking to see who really loves His church and who doesn't. Oh, we find. So in chapter number 1, there's where the thread starts. A trial of faith. Now let me show you chapter 2, where the thread takes us to. Show us in verse number 11. Chapter 2, verse number 11. I've got to hurry. I had a hurry for an out of voice. Verse number 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak in you as evildoers, they may by your Good works, which shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Chapter 1, the thread starts 
with a trial of faith. Chapter 2, we see temptation. We see temptation. He said, now he, he starts with a word of, of somebody that lo- of endearment. Dearly beloved, I plead with you. I beg you. I plead with you. I beg with you. Don't get hooked in to this world. As pilgrims and strangers, he said, don't get too hooked in. Don't get caught up. Don't get comfortable in this world. You realize a lot of folks find themselves like Demas have forsaken me loving this present evil world. I'm a little bit concerned whenever folks say I love Jesus but they're comfortable in this world. God said, Peter said, dearly beloved, hey, dearly beloved, I beg you, I please, I'm pleading with you. You're pilgrims, you're strangers. We don't belong here. How many of you realize this? The more I walk with God, the less I fit in this world. As a matter of fact, I just don't fit nowhere in this world much anymore. And what happens is this world is constantly, constantly pulling at us, saying, love me, give me your time, love me, give me priority, love me. The world is constantly... Yet the Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. He said, here's why. He said that your conversation might be honest among the Gentiles. That that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works say what they're saying is not true. What they're saying is not true. And so we see temptation. Oh, how we ought to watch. Oh, how we've got to be on guard. He's begging. He's pleading. Don't get caught up in the temptations of this world. And, and trust me, there are many. There are many. There's, there's the temptations of pleasures. There's the temptations of, of money. There's temptations of power. It's everywhere you look. And so the, the string starts in chapter 1 with the trials of your faith. In chapter 2, he talks about the temptations that come against your faith. But notice chapter number 3. In verse 13, For who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, Happy are ye. Be not afraid of their terror. Neither be troubled. Now in chapter 3, 
He's just saying, your house is turmoil. Now, there's turmoil that first of all, that comes from without. Who is it? They'll hurt you and harm you from without. That turmoil, we can pretty well handle. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. This crowd that's pushing their agenda of same-sex marriage and transgender agenda, they're meaner, they're, they're, they're meaner than the devil. They're hardest of again. But notice from within. But and if you suffer for righteousness sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. Um, Matthew, I used you as an illustration this morning, and so you ain't gonna mind if I do it again, are you? Past week, well, I'm glad it, I would have used it anyway. <laughs> This past week, now I told you this morning, boys got some convictions. And I praise God for that. And he's got some convictions. And his boss lady put that conviction to a test. And he took a stand. He took a stand. And she was very upset. Very upset. I mean, to the point he wasn't sure she wasn't going to fire him. But his own testimony was. And I was thinking about this message. He said, coming home, and he believed he said it like this to me. But preacher, God gave me a peace. Amen. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about this. But if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. I love that. Oh, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So chapter 1, we got the trials of our faith. Chapter 2, we got the temptations that come against our faith. In chapter 3, we got the turmoil that were coming against our faith. But notice chapter number 4. Chapter number 4, verse 12. Got your Bible? Beloved, here again, a term of endearment. I love the old man of God. He's saying, hey, I want you to know I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not trying to discourage you. He said, I'm trying to help you. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. The trial in chapter 1 has now become a fiery trial in chapter number 4. Now, we ought to have a shouting fit about right here that the Holy Ghost of God 
didn't stop at the end of chapter 4. If he stopped at the end of chapter 4, this would be one discouraging message. If he stopped at chapter 4, we'd be in a mess. If he stopped at chapter 4, I'd be honest with you. I'd say, hold it, time out, don't sign me up. I'm not interested. Trial in chapter 1. Temptation in chapter 2. Turmoil in chapter 3. Well, surely it's going to get better. Oh, no. He gets worse. Fiery trials come in chapter number 4. So what do you do when it's one thing after another? What do you do? Now, let me stop here and tell you this. Let me tell you your worst enemy. And let me tell you why a lot of folks never get help in the midst of their trials. The worst enemy in your trial is your stinking pride. Humble yourself. God is not now or ever going to help a cocky pride. He never has and he never will. As a matter of fact, when you get a proud look, he said, I hate that mess. God will never help a person so proud regardless of what kind of trial they're in. Step number one is we got to humble ourselves. Well, I tell you, I got an answer to this. Then, okay, you handle it yourself. But when that trial and that temptation and that turmoil and that fiery trial gets more than you can handle, God said, humble yourselves. I love that. I think that's what God did for me the other Friday night. I'm standing there and I'm thinking, wow, God, this is a youth meeting. I, I'll never see 16 years old again. This is a youth meeting. And I know God don't speak audibly, but it's just like God said, who cares, stupid? Who cares? It ain't about what the meeting is. It is about, i got some help for you. I'm waiting on you. And that step of me sort of stepping out, and, and by the way, I ain't like, to, not, not just, let's just get honest, that wasn't easy. That wasn't easy. But I got to thinking about that. I thought, how in God's name are we going to ever move the stubborn pride of the next generation if the old men and the old women, no, senior women, we're not going to call them old, senior women, if we are not willing to humble ourselves in front of them, what makes us think they'll humble themselves when it's their turn and they face the fire trials? So he said, first of all, 
I want you to humble yourself. And then he said, I want you to do this. Cast it. Now, there's two words for casting. And I'm going to illustrate it for you. In Ecclesiastes, matter of fact, come, come here, Zeke. Cast, cast this thing for me. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I want you to cast that thing for me. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Have a seat. Now, Ecclesiastes, the Bible says, cast your bread on the water, and in due time, it'll come back again. There is a casting, and just like my cares over there, they're cast. I've cast them, given to God, cut to an altar, but before the service is over. Next week, before the service is over, we'll reel them things right back in. And we'll load up our cares. And guess what? We'll carry them right back home with us. I said this one. Well, our number's low tonight, and I just hallelujah. Because I believe this is such a message that only real special people need to hear it. You know why? Because I believe I I need you to come cast this thing in. (laughs) Amen. I want you to cast that thing real far out there. I'll give you hit brother down the head with it. Just cast. I wished I could tell you that I've cast all my troubles over there. Friday night, oh, I just poured my heart out. And I went home saying, boy, it's, it's bigger than me. God, it's bigger than me. But I don't know when I stuck that hook in it. I'm not sure when I throwed that line out, but before Saturday evening was done, I found myself reeling that sucker right back in. I thought I'd cast it. I thought, but you know what? I had took my hands off of it. Just like some of you. You faced some trials. You face some temptations. Boy, you face some turmoil. It's been one thing after another. But you know what you've done? You reeled it right back in. There's another word for casting. And it's found in the book of Revelations. The Bible says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There's another casting. And that's just what Peter's saying. Casting all your cares upon Him. 
It is this kind of casting. Lord, here's my cares. And they're yours. I've got not, I took my hands off of them. I don't have nothing to drag them back in with. But I put them all on him and I'll leave them. Let, let me illustrate this way. Do one things with your cares. Everybody has a right to bring your cares to the altar tonight. And I believe many of you are fighting the trials of your faith. I think some of you find some temptations. I think some of you, your life's been turmoil this week. And some of it's just been fiery trials. Wow, it's just fiery trials. You have two choices tonight. You can. Bring them trials. And say, God, it's bigger than me. And God, I'm just going to leave them right there. And cast them. And walk away. Or some of you can bring your very trials. Let me tell you why I know you. You're still worrying. You're still trying to figure out a way. You're still trying to, to finagle. You're still trying to come up with a plan. You're still trying to do it yourself. And faith's going to come in chapter one. Temptation's going to come in chapter two. Turmoil's going to come in chapter three. Fiery trials is going to come. But the old man said, listen, cast now. Hold it. Hold it. I, 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 I understand that. But preacher, you know, let, let's just be reasonable. I mean, let's not be fanatical here. Let's just be reasonable. I, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and give God, um, you know, I, I'm going to give God 95% of all my cares. But you know what, God, let's be reasonable. I, 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 I just, I, I could do part of it. What you don't understand is that part that you hold on is what the devil will beat you to death with. Casting 
How many of our cares? So what's all mean? Does that mean your financial worries? Does that mean your health worries? Miss Linda, you reckon that means Jimmy and Riley? Hmm? Does. Trust me, I don't say that. Without a broken heart. Hey, Bill, you reckon that means you're weak. He's <laughs> been crazy at his house. Jeanette, you reckon maybe that means all yours? Hey, you reckon, you reckon Brother James Barnes, that means all yours too? I, I, are you trying to make me believe? Hey, come on, let's be reasonable tonight. Are you trying to make me believe that God can handle all, every one of us, all of our cares? Are you trying to make me believe that? Then you pray, tell me. Why in God's name do we not just give Him all of them? Cast in all your care upon Him. Why should I do that? Why should I do that? I'll tell you why. Because He cares for you. When it's one thing after another, you get to sometimes wondering, does God really care? I told you, take your halo off. We can be normal. How many of you said, when it's one thing after another, you get to wonder, does God really care about me? Have you ever thought that? I have. I have. You know what he comes in? The old man, the old man of God said, humble yourselves. Cast all your care upon him. He said, oh, by the way, let me tell you something. He really cares about you. Tonight, what's the answer to the trials of chapter 1, the temptation of chapter 2, the turmoil of chapter 3? The, the, the fire trials was for tempering. It was for tempering. If you temper steel, you got to put it to the fire. It was for tempering. For the trial in chapter 1, the temptation in chapter 2, the turmoil in chapter 3, the tempering in chapter 4, the old man said, hey, let me tell you the answer when it's one thing after another. Humble yourselves and cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So I'll stand to her feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed.